How you doing? Let's take a moment to just check in with ourselves because it's been a week. A lot is going on. Just take a moment to see what's going on within you. Where are you at? Because the thing is, sometimes we might be here, but we're not really here, right? You know what I mean? So let's take a moment. How are you doing? Because a lot has been going on this week. Last week, we had the incident of a white woman in a park being asked by a black man to put her dog on a leash. And she called the cops saying her life was being threatened. Then a few days after that, George Floyd was murdered while being arrested. A few days after that, a woman died while in police presence in Toronto. And that, along with all the other incidents of racism and violence that we've seen this year, not to mention the years before that, it sparked riots and protests across our country, across the states. As we watch it all, as we take it all in, we need to talk about it. And not just because it's in the air. And not just because we're feeling all kinds of things. But we need to talk about it. Because to follow Jesus means being anti-racist. To be aligned with Christ. To find our identity in him. To get in on what he is doing. It means that we need to be anti-racist. It means that we are fundamentally opposed to all forms and systems of oppression and violence and hate. This is what Jesus is getting at when he says, blessed are the peacemakers. This is what he's getting at when he says, love your neighbors and the first shall be last. To be aligned with him means to be anti-racist. And so as we deal with all this stuff and all this stuff rises up within us, the question isn't where do we stand? Because that question is answered for us. We stand against oppression. The question becomes, what do we do about it? And that is a huge question. It's a really big question. It's one I'm still learning how to answer. I think we're all still learning how to answer it. And so to help us learn how to answer that question, uh, what what we have done is we've put an anti-racism resource guide on our website. It is full of articles and podcasts, books and movies and videos for adults and kids, um, all introducing us to this concept of what anti-racism is and how we can go about being anti-racist. So some stuff in there is for beginners. Some stuff is in there for people who've been doing this and thinking about this for a long time. But it's all really good stuff. It's all by people of color, um, indigenous voices, black voices, Asian voices, and all really powerful stuff that we need to pay attention to, listen to, and learn from. So what I want to do is invite you to learn alongside me. Um, After this video is over, uh, take some time today or this week to go on to our website um, and check those out. Begin reading, begin learning, begin listening, and help find an answer to that question. What does it mean for us to be anti-racist, and what are we going to do about it? How do we do that? You can find much better answers than I can give you there. But for today, uh, because we're all here, I want to offer you just one thought. One answer to that question, and then I'd love for you to go and check out that resource. And the thing I want to offer to you is a story that's in the Bible. It's a story that I've been thinking a lot about this week, that a lot of my friends have been thinking a lot about, that we've been talking about. And I want to offer it to you. And it's one of those stories in the Bible that we don't like to hear. And so we do what 
we do with any story that we don't like to hear. We rationalize it. We ignore it. Um, or we turn it into a kid's story. Wait, what? Jesus wants us to give everything to the poor? We're supposed to invite the homeless into our houses? Oh, that must be a metaphor. Oh, this story's about genocide? Hey, kids, come listen to a story about elephants. Yeah, we do that, don't we? We do that with the stories that we don't like to hear. And I get it. I do it too. But here's the thing. We can't do that. Because the moment we do that, the moment we dismiss it, rationalize it, or treat it like a kid's story, is the moment that we miss out on the wisdom that it's trying to offer us. And so this is one of those stories that we don't like to hear, but I want to challenge us to hear it. I want to challenge us to rumble with it and try to hold it in a new way. And so this story begins with Jesus going into Jerusalem and he goes into the temple. And the temple is the house of God. It's the place where people can go to connect with the divine. It's where heaven meets earth. It's where everything is as it should be. It's the model for what the rest of the world should look like. And so Jesus, he goes inside and he sees some people being allowed in while other people being kicked out. He sees people selling prayers and sacrifices and indulgences, these things that people would buy to get access to God. He goes in and he sees people being categorized into good, kind of good, not good enough. He goes in and instead of seeing heaven meeting earth, he sees exactly the opposite. And we're told that Jesus leaves. He goes and makes a whip. He goes and makes a whip. And then he comes back and he freaks out. He flips over all the tables. He throws stuff all over the floor. He destroys the temple. And he drives out all the people who are tarnishing its name. And that's the story. So let's ask ourselves a question. Do you like it? And not like, oh, that story is kind of cool. But do you like it? Can you sit with it? Are you comfortable with the idea of calling that story sacred? And if you're anything like me, you're going to be kind of icky about it. You don't want to hold it as sacred. Because it's an uncomfortable story. We're going to say, no, I don't like it. And here's why. We're used to hearing that anger is a bad thing, aren't we? We're taught that anger is something that we should not express, that we should tone it down, that we should chill out, calm down. We're taught that it's a bad emotion. Whenever we hear about anger, it's always with a little, with a little bit of shame. It's always something that we need to apologize for. When it comes to our anger, we're told it's something that we need to keep in. Right? Yeah. I'm sure we all experience that. When it comes to our anger, don't let it out. Keep it in. Stuff it down. Calm down. That's bad. So no wonder when we hear this story of the angry Jesus, we're not going to really like it. Because here's Jesus. The guy we're supposed to be emulating the blueprint for what it means to be human. The guy we say is God incarnate. Here we see Jesus letting his anger out. Instead of keeping it in, he's letting it out. 
So instead of rationalizing it, instead of dismissing it as Jesus just having a bad day, let's do the hard work. Let's ask the really hard question. Let's ask, what is this story trying to say? What's the wisdom in this? What's the truth in this? Because I think what we hear this story saying is that when it comes to our anger, we've got it all wrong. When it comes to this story, what we're hearing is that sometimes we need to listen to our anger. Sometimes we need to let our anger out. Sometimes anger can be good. Sometimes instead of stuffing it down, we actually need to do the opposite. And we need to let our anger out. So what's Jesus angry about? What makes him so mad that he leaves, gets a whip, which is intent, by the way, and comes back and destroys the place? Well, what makes him so mad is what he sees. Because what he sees is instead of seeing a temple where everyone can come and have access to God, he sees a temple where people have to pay to get access to God. He sees people being excluded. Instead of the temple being this place of joy and reverence, he sees it being a place of greed and corruption. Instead of seeing a place that is all about liberation, he sees a place that's all about oppression. And it's not only that. It's not just that he sees a place that isn't as it should be. What makes him mad, what makes him freak out, what makes him get a whip and destroy the place is that he sees people intentionally keeping it from what it should be. What makes him mad is he sees people who are okay with that. What he sees is people who have given in to that reality. And that makes him so mad because it doesn't need to be that way. It could be different. And so he gets mad because Jesus wants to see something different. He wants to make change. And that's why he gets mad. That's why he lets his anger out. And we need to hear this story because it tells us something really, 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 really important. It tells us that anger is good. It tells us that sometimes we need to listen to our anger, that there are things worthy of getting angry over. It tells us that sometimes we need to let our anger out. And so as we look at what's happening in our world right now, as we see the stories on the news, as we listen to the stories on our social media platforms, as we rumble with it all, as we see another black man being killed, as we see more violence being experienced by our black, indigenous, Asian, and people of color, as we see leaders choosing to respond with deadly power, as we see unchecked and unaccountable power forces, as we see the hateful and ignorant comments of our friends and family on Facebook, as we see all that going on, and maybe even stuff within ourselves that we don't like, as we take a look around and see how sinfully racist our world is, we should be getting angry. It's okay to feel angry over that. It's good to be angry. Injustice and hate and evil deserves our anger. Because this is not the world we're meant to have. This is not what it's supposed to be like. It doesn't need to be this way. Things could be different. 
And so the question isn't, am I feeling angry? The question is, what will I do with my anger? The question isn't, am I feeling angry? Is it okay to feel angry? The question is, what will I do with my anger? Will I swallow it down? Or will I let it out? And we know the answer to that question. We know what we're supposed to do with our holy anger. We're supposed to let it out. We see that in Jesus. We have to let it out. We have to let it out. We need to let it out and be like Jesus. Now, what does that look like? Well, that's, that's really up to you. You can let it out in all kinds of ways. You can let it out in a way that drives you to read and learn and listen. You can let it out by joining the protests and the riots. You can let it out by weeping and lamenting, by making poems and music and art. You can let it out by advocating for change, by how you spend your money, by how you vote. You can let it out by building bridges, building community, and building relationships. There are all kinds of ways you can let it out. It doesn't matter. The point is that you let it out. That you say, this is not right. This shouldn't be, it doesn't have to be this way, enough. That's what holy anger does. It says enough, and it sparks change. So as you see the things around you, as you feel anger well up, let it out. Because what we see happening around us, what we're hearing, what's been happening for thousands of years, it is not okay. It is worthy of our anger, and we are long past a time when we need to stand up and say enough and let our anger out and do something about it. So the question for you this week is, how are you going to let your anger out? How are you going to see the injustice for what it is? And what are you going to do with your anger? So as you rumble with that question, as you let it all out, May grace and peace be with you.